BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. hard. So I think tonight was a great testament for our kids and how much they love each other and how much they love playing for each other and, and the staff. And when I say it was for South Carolina, it's a great night, you know, for Gamecock Nation and, and for the Carolina fans across the, the state. Yeah, it was awesome. You saw our players uh, respond to the fans that were sitting in the corner. Uh, they're fired up. Our support staff fired up. The energy inside of the, the locker room was awesome. It was a dance party, man. It was just the way it should be after a big win. You know, we have an expectation that we're going to win easy, but um, sometimes it's not so easy. I think it's difficult to win in this conference. I think it's difficult to win. You were down by six to go for it on fourth and goal up to seven instead of kick. Can you talk about that a little bit? We're going for it. We walked in the stadium, we're going for it. There was no question, we're going for the win the whole time. We're not, we're not gonna let this crowd intimidate us. It wasn't gonna happen. We, we, we were coming in this house to win the game, so, and so was I. So I was having fun with it. Part of college football. You can never feel comfortable until there's zeros on the clock. I mean, 21 seconds, and they drive down there and, and have a chance to tie it. Oh, I knew they was going to miss it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. You know, I hate it for the kids, you know, and all that. Uh, yeah, there's an open tryout, and you can announce this. There's an open tryout on our campus uh, for kickers, you know. Anybody that wants to uh, wants to kick or, or, or uh, walk on and kick at uh, Mississippi State, um, you know, we'll hold a tryout anytime you can get over there to our building uh, providing you're cleared by the NC2A. Welcome in to the latest episode of that sec podcast i'm your host michael bratton i go by sec michael on twitter and hey we got a great guest lined up for the show it's this is going to be mostly an interview pod with this episode we got adam mcclintock he's been on the show before he goes by the cfb professor and he gives out coaching grades based on his analytics system so really looking forward to it long chat here i had with adam to break down some of the first-year coaches in the SEC, how they're looking, some of the long-time coaches, how they're grading out as uh, more and more data comes in on their coaching ability. And the first-year hires, man, he loves Billy Napier and Brian Kelly, those hires at Florida and LSU, respectively. But before we get to the interview with Adam, I always like to start up with something fun if we can. And if you missed it, man, the Manning cast, we've, Praise that thing all season long. 
If you haven't been watching your Monday Night Football with Peyton and Eli, you're doing it life wrong. The last one of the year, I I assume it's going to be the last one because during the uh, Rams-Cardinals playoff game, Monday Night Football edition, there's no more Monday Night Football, so I assume it's going to be the last time we're going to get Peyton and Eli on the air this year. And Peyton Manning, (laughs) unfiltered right here. This was live on the air. I just thought this was phenomenal. Before you do that, Larry, let's go to Peyton. He's going to break down that touchdown. Can't hear shit. Never mind. Aiden, Aiden's doing something else, Larry. Well, so you're back hey, with you. We can you break. Kyler's ready for this moment. First play. I can only imagine Cousin Shade if he was on a live mic, national audience. I mean, this is the same type of reaction we'd be getting from him. But hey, them Vols, no filter there. Love that from Peyton. And, and let's credit Eli. I mean, man, it's smooth, smooth transition from his brother cursing live on air, national television, Monday Night Football. Of course, Eli was the one that uh, was flipping the birds during Monday Night Football. If you missed that, go back and check that out. I mean, that was maybe the most viral clip of the Manning cast this year. Let's hope we get more Manning cast in the future. Still disappointed a little bit that they didn't call the Ole Miss-Tennessee game. I mean, that would have been incredible, incredible television. But I just thought we had to lead the show off with that. And then one thing here before we get to our interview with Adam McClintock, And we're even actually going to talk about this during the interview. Kendall Bryles, report from uh, Brett McMurphy of uh, the Action Network, now formerly of ESPN, that Kendall Bryles has been offered the offensive coordinator role at Miami. And uh, as of this recording Tuesday evening, no decision has been made one way or another. Kendall Bryles, is he staying at Arkansas? Is he leaving from Miami? That would be a huge, huge loss for the Razorbacks. He's one of the best coordinators in the country again Adam's going to talk about that but I'll share a little inside info from what I'm hearing about this situation Bryles did in fact interview down there at Miami I'm told and this was a, a little while ago and apparently the interview didn't go so well so it's interesting what I'm hearing is you know that didn't really seem to be an ideal fit with uh, Mario Cristobal and the staff down there at Miami so that you know, I, I don't, I'm not saying Bryles for sure is staying at Arkansas, but based on that bit of information, you know, this could be a contract play. And I have heard, I, I don't, can't confirm, but I hearing that Arkansas is uh, stepping up and willing to pay Bryles a raise to stay. And I got to say that that's what you got to do if you're Arkansas. Let uh, Kendall Bryles continue to run this offense. The, the wonders he did with Felipe Franks two years ago, of course, what he did to get K.J. Jefferson as one of the SEC's top quarterbacks in the conference, now one of the best quarterbacks in the country, heading into uh, his second year as a starting quarterback, keeping Kendall Browse going to be paramount to Arkansas. With uh, There ain't no letdown in that schedule this next season. So continuity will be key. And the other thing I have heard about this Miami offensive coordinator position, the guy they really want, is apparently Toledo head coach Jason Candle, I believe is how you say his name. Now, maybe they can't get him. You know, that's a a tough pull to get a head coach to come be an offensive coordinator. Certainly wouldn't be the first time we've seen that. We've seen a couple SEC programs pull that off, getting a head coach at a lower level to be a coordinator in the nation's best football conference. But this will certainly be something that uh, we keep an eye on. But uh, just based on the the early intel I have, I think you got to like your odds if you're the Razorbacks to keep Kendall Browse. But 
like I said, certainly something that we'll have to keep an eye on and something that uh, we discussed here with Adam McClintoff, the CFB professor. Let's kick it over to our interview with Adam. This is really great stuff, touching on a number of SEC teams. All right, we're pleased to once again be joined by Adam McClintock, better known as the CFB professor. Does an outstanding job. You got to give him a follow at CFB underscore professor. And his Patreon page is one of the very few that I subscribe to. Got to check it out. Patreon.com slash CFB underscore professor. Same as the Twitter account. Adam, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it once again. Hey, no problem, Mike. No problem. Just just, just getting the offseason kicked off, and it's <laughs> important to, to start off at least on a bright, bright, bright note, right? Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, before we get into, uh, you know, what I really wanted to have you on here and some of your grades that your model uh, puts out on the coaches, I know you've been on the show before. I think a lot of the listeners certainly remember you've been on the show but can you briefly explain uh, how your model grades these coaches for maybe some new listeners that uh, didn't catch your last interview? Absolutely. So basically what, what we have is we have a database of, of every single coach um, that, that, has, that has walked the sideline since 2009. And we, we grade their, um, well, just, just their on-field performance, whether, whether that be the head coach or the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator based on the results relative to the talent that they have on their roster and also relative to the talent that they're that they uh, that they play on their schedule every year so it, it kind of uh, creates an even playing field so um, for example a, a coach at Alabama is expected to get good results his bar is a lot higher than 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 say somebody at Appalachian State because of the talent gap that he has week in and week out on his roster um, so it, it is kind of a, a sliding scale um, a guy who gets, you know, moderate results at, at, uh, Appalachian state is going to grade higher than a guy that gets moderate results at Alabama because just because of that, of that talent advantage that the guy at Alabama does have is expectations are higher. So that basically, um, in a nutshell is, is how we, how we go about grading coaches, um, both, uh, head coach, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. And typically the more data, the more accurate your system is. And as I understand it, you like to have at least three years of data on a coach before you you feel really comfortable in the grade you give them. Is that accurate? That's absolutely accurate. Yeah, three or four years is, is, is what we look for. Um, after three or four years of, of data, the, the data set is, is usually pretty solid, and it doesn't deviate uh, a whole lot from, from what has been established. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in, any coach that we have graded that has under four years of experience, we kind of call that it, it's not solid. The grade's not solid. Um, we still will give them a grade, um, but we, we don't feel super comfortable with it until after uh, you know a good three or four years of data. Now, I really want to ask you about uh, a lot of these coaches in the SEC, some of the new hires, what you think of them based on your model. But before I get to that, I got to commend the work you do once again at patreon.com slash CFB underscore professor because man adam i gotta hand it to you i mean 24 hours before the playoff committee announces their top 25 every week uh you guys basically have it down to uh you got at least 20 of them every week and and we're talking if you miss it's it's because you got number 21 at 22 or something like that so without revealing your secrets can you kind of maybe give some insight into uh 
what it is that you have it pegged down there with the college football playoff committee and, and why you're so accurate predicting what the rankings are going to be. Yeah, I mean, it starts off with the, with, with the basis of, you know, the, the, the playoff committee is made up of, you know, presidents of companies, CEOs of, CEOs of companies, um, athletic directors, sitting athletic directors. Um, these guys are, are busy, you know, with, with their, with their, you know, paying jobs during the week. Mm-hmm. Um, this volunteer role that they've taken on the committee for, you know, what is it? Three or four years at a time. Usually mm-hmm. they, um, they, they don't have the time to go through and watch film on, on 30 teams between this, you know, the time that the game's in on Saturday and the rankings come out on, 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 you know, basically Tuesday, right? Just assume that they, that they watch an hour of film, uh, for, for each of those teams, that's 30 hours of film that they have to watch, understand what they're seeing, and digest and, and, and be able to, to come up with a coherent ranking from the time, you know, on Saturday night after the Pac-12 games are over until Tuesday afternoon when, when, when the rankings have to be in. That's not feasible. And if, if anybody, anybody out there has been a part of a committee, you understand how not feasible that is to come to an agreement that quickly on such subjective criteria. So we, we, you know, decided there had to be a quick and easy formula that they were using or a quick and easy process and just using, you know, some of the, the, the bread, you know, the, the, the breadcrumbs that Heather Dinich and, and, and some of the other uh, reporters have, have, have done with this. We've, we've used the strength of schedule that they, that, that, that the committee uses. Um, we figured out what a qual- what, what they define as a quality win. We figured out what they, what they define as a top 25 win. And, and they also use something called uh, game control, which is basically minute by game minute. How, uh, what is, what is your, your the scoring margin of the game? How in control are you of, are you of that game minute by minute throughout the game? Those are the only elements that they use. And, and, and they, it's kind of a sliding scale of, of what's more important. For example, if you have a poor strength of schedule, okay, say your strength of schedule is ranked in the hundreds. Your game control has to be one, one one of the best in the country because they want to see that okay you have a you, you have a poor schedule you better be controlling that schedule from from whistle to whistle so they they, they look at, at at things in groups like that to, to help kind of decide which teams go where that's that's basically it that's basically how how we come up with our poll is we just we take those basic elements we um, uh, we, we sort them and we go uh, four teams by four teams in, in groups, and we rank them that way. And that is exactly how the committee has done it for 14 years, since 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, it, has, it hasn't varied. Uh, you know, committee members have come and gone, and that's, that, that process has stayed the same. Yeah, and it really is terrific. you got to give Adam a follow, like I said, at CFB underscore professor, because during the season, it'll be Monday, and he'll be – He'll, he'll literally have a thread. All right, here's the top 25, and here's why these teams are ranked. And like I said, I mean, you guys really nail it there. So I had to commend you on that. I mean, the Patreon page is, is worth the price of admission just for that. But my favorite part is these coaching grades. And I love them because people just think, you know, everybody loves to throw out opinions on these coaches and, their, and how they grade it out and, and how a hire went and all this. But you're taking the human element out of it, and this is based purely on data. So, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to argue with many of the, the grades you guys give out. So I wanted to start with the first-year coaches we had in the SEC this year with the understanding that some of these guys may not have 
a, a long track record. So, you know, the, the grade may not be quite as solid just yet. But uh, let's start with Tennessee's head coach, Josh Heupel, who surprisingly led the Vols to a bowl win here. Uh, what grade did your uh, analytics give Josh Heupel this year? Josh Heupel had a a good year. And, 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 and you know, um, if people out there were, were listening to, I believe it was, it was me and you it, before the season started, mm-hmm. we talked about Josh Heupel and what he was going to be able to accomplish this year at Tennessee. And we said that he was going to be in the 7-5 and five or 6-6 six and six win range. Mm-hmm. And and he he did just that. Um he, he performed kind of kind of how we, we expected and, and, and exceeded it, uh, uh, just maybe even slightly. We have him ranked as a uh, as, as a solid B B plus coach who had a solid B B plus year. I mean that, that's that's that, that's kind of uh, uh, what we expected out of Josh Heupel, and he he surely delivered. Let's see here. Let me tell you exactly. His career grade after the season, his career grade jumped up to uh, he, he's a B plus A minus head coach now. So he, that that just that just tells you you know he's he's the real deal. And not only that, but he's he's the play caller. He's been the play caller for his offenses ever since he's he's been a head coach. Um, so that you know, and uh, he's also a terrific play caller. He, he was he was actually grade higher as a play caller coming into the season than he was a head coach. Mm-hmm. So that, those are all good things, all good things for Vols fans. I mean, they um, the defensive coordinator came in and and I think he did better than what was expected out of him. Um, I think that the Vols defense was let's see what I have them ranked at at end of this end of this year. Um, give me one second here to take 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 a peek. And this is great radio. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, the the, the Vols defense. You know, Tim Banks in, in his first year. It's always a struggle for for um, defensive coordinators to come in and kind of handle the pace of a Josh Heupel offense. Mm-hmm. You're never going to have a dominant, dominant defense just because of the number of plays that they're asked to defend per, per game. Tim Banks, his, his defensive efficiency was ranked uh, 67th this year, which, you know, isn't great. But with, 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 with a Josh Heupel offense, the way they, they, the way they play, that only has to be a top 40 defense before that team becomes, you know, a headache to deal with. Hmm. So, uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're looking at teams like, oh, for example, the, the you know, <laughs> tongue-in-cheek, the, the, the 2017 National Championship UCF team, you know, <laughs> they, <laughs> that defense was, 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 was barely a top 50 defense, but the offense was so prolific that, that they're able to, 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 to get by with it. Now the SEC is a different animal than the AAC, admittedly, but um, in order to get you know double-digit wins, I think that Tennessee fans would love to see you know would, would accept um, that defense is going to have to come up to about oh the 45 range. But uh, first year, first year there, he's you know the, the transfer portal is going to help them get some some some, some uh, more guys on defense there, and uh, we'll see how Tim Banks does in, this, in, in, in year two. Now, what about uh, Brian Harson at Auburn? Because at, at the midway point in the season, I'm, I was ready to give this guy SEC Coach of the Year. Auburn was in contention in the SEC West, and then they kind of fall flat on their face their tail end of the season. So uh, I recall you saying, you know, he's he's a good coach, not an elite coach. He was, you know, at Boise he had more talent than the vast majority of the teams he faced in that league. So how did uh, he grade out his first year at Auburn and and were you surprised at all that uh, they fired 
Mike Bobo, the offensive coordinator, after just one year? Yeah, I was. That was that was puzzling. Um, Mike Bobo's offense really wasn't that bad, I didn't think. I mean, I don't know what Auburn fans think about it, um, but but from where I'm sitting, you know, the Auburn the Auburn offense, um, you know, the season. I guess the, looking here, looking at it right now, yeah, they were kind of bad. The season <laughs> ranking 80th. So yeah, maybe he deserved to be fired. But I mean, that one year, that that's tough to do. I think I like to give a guy two or three years before you 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 pull the the, the pin on him so quickly, especially somebody like Mike Bubba who's been around the SEC and and, and knows that conference so well. Um, Brian Harson really needs somebody like that on his staff on, on the offensive side to kind of help him out because he doesn't really have a lot of guys on that offensive staff that are, are SEC guys, right? Mm-hmm. The defensive side, uh, uh, the different story. You have you have Derek Mason over there who is you know one of the premier defensive coordinators in the country, and and you know he didn't have his best year at Auburn either. His his, his defense ranked 36th in the country this year in defensive efficiency, which is not where Auburn fans are used to seeing it, but that's still a solid season for for a first year defensive coordinator. But yeah, Brian Harston had 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 a C a C uh, C grade year, an average year for him. Overall, he's just a a B a B grade coach, just barely above average, right? And he kind of he kind of showed that um, he kind of got in a league where he didn't have that massive talent advantage like he enjoyed at Boise State all those years in the Mountain West and. And I think it showed a little bit. He got outpost in, in, in some games, and 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 uh, and I think he made some staff changes in the offseason trying to trying to remedy that. But mm-hmm. um, we'll see. We'll see how that how that works out for him. I know he he hired a he hired a um, an offensive coordinator that I, I'm not familiar with. I don't think has called a play at the FBS level, so that's not ever super encouraging. But we'll we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Now, what about uh, Shane Beamer down there at South Carolina? I know he's just got the one year, so the grade is uh, uh, not solid like you like it to be. But, uh, uh, you know, a lot of momentum with that program. The fans are very, very excited after his debut. Uh, What's the early grade for Shane Beamer down there at South Carolina? Like you said, you know, it's early with Shane Beamer. But um, for a first-year head coach who's never been a head coach before to step in you know, in, in, in the SEC and, and play the schedule he did and, and, and play as well as he did. He, he had a, a C-plus year, okay, which, you know, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not great. I, I, I don't think anybody uh, at South Carolina can, can, you know, can say, that, you know, we're back or anything like that with, with, with the season. Mm-hmm. But I think you, you can see there very plainly that there is progress being made, even out outperformed the expectations we had for him in year one. So there is a lot to be um, extremely uh, encouraged about uh, South Carolina right now. Um, he brings in, you know, Spencer Rattler and, and some of these, these Oklahoma transfers that, that, that are coming in and that should help bolster that offense. The defense was, 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 you know, 
was what won him games this year. He needs to get that offense up to pace. I think Marcus Satterfield kind of had a, a rough, <laughs> a rough introduction to the to the SEC to put it mildly. Um, but but uh, we'll we'll see how he does with his influx of talent and if that can improve. If that does, Clayton White is a good defensive coordinator. He'll he'll come along and and uh, Shane Beamer should should be in in good shape the next couple of years. Now, what about um, this guy's a little polarizing? You know, A and M Texas A and M coach Jimbo Fisher. They're loving the momentum down there. The Aggies just got the number one recruiting class, but that's not something that uh, you're factoring in necessarily on on the coaching grades. It's all about how they do on the field. They they beat Alabama, yet they lose to both the Mississippi schools. They lose to Arkansas. What do you make of Jimbo Fisher and? Uh, you know what? What's his overall grade? Because I think people are surprised that uh, that he's often not higher, but maybe maybe he hasn't earned that higher grade just yet. No, it was it was kind of you know a disappointing year our, from our grading end on him. We had him as a C minus year. You know that 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 win over Alabama really saved him. Although he he'd have been in the D range for for this year. Um, I mean, you're, you 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 after results yourself there. You can't lose to both Mississippi schools. You can't lose to, you know, LSU who was who was who was you know outmanned. You can't lose to to Arkansas, um, and then beat Alabama and and, and have all the the preseason expectations that they had. I mean, mm-hmm. this was supposed to be the year A and M, you know, challenged for the for the division, and instead they were they were out of it by the fifth or sixth of the week, right? right. <laughs> so that, that, that can't be something that they're, you know, he wins the off season. He really wins the off season, but until he can, he can, he can start winning consistently against the teams that he's supposed to be week in and week out. Um, I think that, you know, nine and three, 10 and two is kind of going to, kind of going to be the mode there in, in, in college station. Now, how big of a hit potentially do the Aggies take losing Mike Elko? He's now the head coach of Duke. I know your model loved Mike Elko as a defensive coordinator. Now they've hired DJ Durkin. Um, is is there is that a downgrade or is that uh, is that about a, a fair trade there? What do you think? Oh, that yeah, that's a that's a that's a big downgrade in our in our, in our grade book. Mike Elko, um, he was one of the you know coming from Wake Forest to Notre Dame to Texas A and M, he was one of the more steady um defensive performers you know they had an excellent year at texas a&m this year he's, he's the reason they won some of those games um i think he he had a top he looked here really fast i think he had, he had a top 15 defense this year mm-hmm. um, he, had, he, was, he was number three he was he, he, had, oh. he had the third best defense in the country this year and in, in per, per play efficiency so um that that's a big loss that you don't just step in and replace that dj durkin is a above average um defensive coordinator but he's not to the same level as mike elko is um you're not going to be able to lean on dj durkin's defense and have it have him win you games when your offense sputters like it did this year that's that's not the type of defensive coordinator he is he's, he's going to hold the other team at bay but you, but you better get your offense going or or you're, you're going to lose some games now what about uh, sam Pittman in arkansas again he's another one you don't have a ton of track record because he's only been a head coach for two years but I know the model was uh, not in love with him last year. Obviously, a much better year this year. How, do, how does the model grade out the job Sam Pittman's doing? And how about, uh, I was also curious, his coordinators, Barry Odom and Kendall Bryles. What's your model think of the, his two coordinators as well? You know, Sam Pittman, he, when he was hired, um, I tell people who, who, who kind of follow me to, to really 
um, a rally behind Sam Pittman and that staff because although he had not been a, a, a head coach before coming into Arkansas, I saw the staff that he had hired in, in Kendall Bryles and in, and in, and Barry Odom and some of the support staff was, was, was really, really good. Mm-hmm. He built it the right way at, at, uh, at Arkansas and he stays out of the way and lets his coaches coach. And he is kind of the recruiting face of the program, which is, if you know anything about Sam Pittman, he's, he's, he's a top notch recruiter. You know, <laughs> he was mm-hmm. in Georgia. He was, he's, he's a top notch recruiter. So, um, I really like what he's doing at Arkansas. He had a good season. He had a top 35 season for a head coach um, at Arkansas. Um, the, the, the defense, the offensive coordinator, uh, Kendall Bryles, is, is one of my favorite in the country. He, uh, he had the, the 45th best offense in the country last year. But, but, but you take that in, in, in the scope of him playing against you know, the SEC West with the talent level that Arkansas has, which isn't he's a, a bottom two or three recruiter in that division. Um, that's pretty spectacular. They better hold on to Kendall Bryles' tights. I think there's some teams coming for him in the off season. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's 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 a uh, one of the top notch offensive corners in the country, and, and he's he's a guy you hold on to with. You give him as much money as it takes to keep him there. Same can be said for Barry Odom. Um, his defense, this defensive performance this year was was also outstanding. Uh, it was was really really good for, for for the talent level. I wouldn't say outstanding. But for, for Arkansas levels of the past few years, he, he did he, he did a very good job. Um, they need to keep the staff together as long as they can because it's going to give them a chance to be an eight nine win team in the SEC West and and, and be be a, a thorn in team side. I don't know if Arkansas recruits to a level where they're ever or where we could ever seriously consider them, you know, upending Alabama or upending you know um, some of the other teams in, in, in that in that division. But they, they can be that team that nobody wants to play week in and week out, and I think that's what Arkansas fans like to see. Yeah, and you talk about what they face. I mean, my goodness, I don't know who at Arkansas pissed off the SEC, but they've had to play Georgia two years in a row. I mean, uh, give, it, I know. Give, give them a break, you know what? Yeah, and, you know, he took that he took that schedule, you know, where, where you had to play Georgia, had to play A&M, and had to play LSU. And, you know, I know LSU was a little bit down this year, but still, still LSU. You know, and had to play Auburn, had to play A and M. You know, I mean, he did not get a break this year. He had played at Ole Miss. He had played Tech. He played Texas early. I mean, and he took that schedule and went eight and four. I mean, that's that's just impressive. That that's that, that's just that's just impressive. Um, like I said, they, they got to keep that staff together as long as they can, paying what what paying what they need to to, to be paid to stay there in, in, in Fayetteville and. And, and just be a thorn in people's sides because that's exactly what they are right now. Now, speaking of an impressive season, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, you know, they just won 10 games in the regular season, first time in program history. What's your model say about the job Lane Kiffin's doing there uh, at Ole Miss? Lane Kiffin did excellent this year. His, um, his, uh, uh, they're actually pretty, pretty, you know, balanced offense and defense. Their, their offense was, their, the season rank on the offense was, was 40th. The season rank on the defense was 43rd. Um, the, uh, the offense slowed down a little bit late. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head if, if they had injuries or COVID issues, you know, I, don't, I don't miss, but their offense really slowed down towards the end of the year. Yeah, I don't quarter, know if you can shed some light on Matt Corral got hurt. Yes, that's what it was. I knew, I knew there was something I was forgetting about why that offense slowed down, but 
But yeah, you know, and he still was able to, to, to finish, you know, where, where they did, even, even without a player like Matt Corral, which is saying a lot. Now, he'll have to, um, they lost a really good running back coach to Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Smith left for Miami. They'll have to replace him. Um, they lost DJ Durkin. Um, I think they, they are, they've, they've already promoted Chris Partridge up to that point, up to that position. Bit of a downgrade. Um, so uh, Lane's going to have to get an influx of talent in with, 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 with the portal and, uh, and hope that Chris Partridge's defense can at least hold their end of the deal up. Um, overall, I think that the, the coaching staff that will be in place next year will be downgraded from the one that was there this year. So we'll just have to see how that affects the on-field results. Now, staying in that state, Mike Leach, the Pirate. You know, we all love watching his team. They're, they got the, da- the deck stacked against him many times in the SEC, just given the talent they inherited. But he's already rewriting the offensive record books down there. He's going on the road. He's beating teams like A&M and uh, Auburn on the road. What's your system say about uh, the job Mike Leach is doing for Mississippi State? He's he's doing what Mike Leach does. I mean, this is this is this is what he does. He he did it in Lubbock. You know, he did it in Pullman, and and now he's doing it in Starkville. And you know, it takes two or three years or two for his system because it it is a system. You know, he has to have the players in his system to run his system. And once he gets them in there and gets them developed and and and, and the way he wants it, that that offense is, is it's tough to stop. It, it is very tough to stop with with unless you have just an overwhelming amount of talent to overwhelm it. The defensive side of the ball needs needs to come up a little bit. Um, Aren't had a had a little bit of a struggle this year. They think their their defense was 79th in my rankings at, at at the end of the season, but which which makes him a like a, like a C or C plus grade uh, defensive coordinator. That's going to have to improve if if they want to to really challenge this year. But I don't think they had any any major staff losses um, this year. Uh, I think you'll see, you're going to see Mississippi State bump up to that, you know, eight, nine, ten win range next year. Hmm. Now, Eli Drinkwitz, I know that's uh, someone your model was very high on heading into the season, and I think you know part of that again goes back to the fact that he's been a head coach not very long at all. Uh, what's your model say about uh, the job he's doing after uh, you know a little bit of a disappointing season there at Missouri this year? Yeah, we you know, coming into the year we only had uh, one or two years on hand. It was both at Apple or it was one year at Appalachian State and one year the first year at Missouri, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that was he's a prime example of you know when people would ask what his grade was, I'd tell them, but I was always, I'd always make sure to sprinkle in a little you know grain of salt with that because you know we 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 we, we saw what we saw what the grade said, but we 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 we, we had no. Um, no faith in that I have a grade for him. We, we we think he'll end up being about a C plus B minus type head coach. He's a good recruiter. He he he's a good offensive mind. Uh, uh, in some aspects, his offense still has 68th ranked uh, uh, offense this year. His defense was ranked 112th, which was a disaster. Defense just has to improve. Um, uh, Steve Wilkes, you know, his first year in the SEC was a rough one. Uh, it doesn't get much worse than the Missouri defense. And the thing is, is, is Missouri, Missouri, you know, it, they're in the same, they're in the same boat as Arkansas is in the West, except that Missouri is going the opposite direction. They, um, they don't have the talent to, to, to you know, to, to get in the ring and, and swing with, with Georgia or Florida or Tennessee or some of those. So they, they have to develop the talent. They have to, 
they have to, 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 to out X's and O's people. And I'm not convinced they have the coaching staff to do that right now. So it, it might be a struggle in Missouri for a little while until they can kind of get their bearings. Now, what about your grade for uh, Mark Stoops? Because I know that Kentucky fans every offseason, they, they think your model hates Kentucky. Or you're out against the Wildcats, but another 10-win season. Uh, can you give us uh, the, the updated ranking for Stoops? And, and what did you think? Again, I know it's it's early. It's kind of tough to grade him, but the first-year offensive coordinator, Liam Cohen, he he seemed to inject some life into that uh, that offense this year. Yeah, Liam Cohen had a good year. I mean, he 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 bounced. He uh, offense wasn't terrible last year, but he took that offense that was that was you know really successful between the twenties last year, and he was able to get some of those some of those uh, red zone opportunities cast in this year um, with, with, with the team. The um, offense was ranked thirty second this year. The defense was down a little bit this year at, at, at Kentucky, which is kind of surprising for a Mark Hughes team. It was fifty third in the country in defense this year. Um, that's going to have to improve. They can't let that slip. Brad White, I think, is he, he's a good defensive coordinator. He'll get it figured out. But um, I, I really like his coaching staff right now. You know, they, if they can hold everything together. I still Mark Stoops. He he wins the games he's supposed to win, mm-hmm. and 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 for the most part, he, uh, he he has lost the games he's supposed to lose. So <laughs> you know, he, he beat Florida this year. You know that that, that was good. He beat LSU, but like you said, LSU really wasn't LSU this year. And then he turns around and he loses to Georgia, loses to Mississippi State, loses to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I mean, so he, he his, his wins ended up being this year against Louisiana Monroe, Missouri, Chattanooga, South Carolina, you know, Vanderbilt, New Mexico State, Louisville. I mean, he, he, he should beat all those teams. So, you know, it's, his grade kind of reflects that. He's, he's a C-plus, you know, graded coach where he's better than average, but you don't expect him to go in and, and beat Georgia or, or beat, you know, uh, LSU and LSU is LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's going to lose those games. He's, he's just, that's, what, that's what the coach he has there. Which, for Kentucky standards, I mean, that has to be great. It, it, if you can get away with eight, nine, ten wins in the, in the SEC East, you know, that's, you're, you're, you're cooking with, with, with peanut oil there. All right. Yeah, it's all right, Adam. You hate Mark Stoops. We'll move on. But uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But hey, one, guy, one guy I really wanted to ask you about, because this is something that we hit on in the preseason, Todd Munkin, Georgia offensive coordinator, a little bit of a low grade. You said, you know, it would be an outlier if Georgia won with Todd Munkin as the offensive coordinator. But I thought he had a terrific year this year. What did your model say about uh, the job Todd Munkin did calling uh, Georgia's offense? He, you know, it, 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 he did an excellent job. This, the offense was ranked fifth this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think um, um, I think Kirby Smart kind of took the handcuffs off a little bit this year. That was my biggest concern coming into the season is, is a lot of the offensive coordinators under Kirby Smart, I felt like, were a little handcuffed, and he didn't let them kind of just let loose and, 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 and call games, you know, the way that they were wanting to call them. Mm-hmm. Him being a defensive head coach, you know, more of a conservative-minded guy, he, uh, this was the, really the first time in, in you know, the, the season that I've seen him allow, allow his offense to kind of get out and then get on people. And I think it's because he had a generational defense and he knows he had a generational defense that, you know, even if his offense threw a pick to or pick here or screwed up here or there, that they were going to be able to, 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 to get it back on defense. And, uh, you know, I think uh, hopefully this, this, this was a good lesson for smart that, Hey, um, let Monk and roll. Let let let, let Monk and cook. You know he mm-hmm. he's fine. He, he he 
he, he had the number five offense in the country with, with you know, you know, Stephen Bennett, who is a great story, but he's he, he's not a, uh, you know, he's not the prototypical, you know, uh, uh, high numbered quarterback that, that that Georgia could could possibly get in the next coming years. Right. So if if he continues to let, you know, let let Todd Monken do his thing. Then, uh, then Georgia could be a headache, you know, for 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 many many years to come. I don't think that defense is changing. I don't think, I don't think that talent that the talent influx is is, is going to change. Georgia is just going to be a monster for a while. All right, last two, Adam. I really appreciate all your time. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the new hires in the SEC. Billy Napier, former Louisiana coach, of course, now the face of the Florida Gators program. What can Florida fans anticipate uh, based on your model's grade for Billy Napier? Well, we love Billy Napier. Um, we 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 feel like he was um, he was one of the he was probably the best G five option out there, um, and and one of the best uh, head coaching options period out there um, um, for Florida to get. Uh, he he's he, he he's a B plus head coach, you know. Um, so uh, he's in our in our estimation, he is a an upgrade over Dan Mullen. Um, I love the. I love the staff he's put together so far. I mean, you get Sean Spencer as the, as the defensive line coach. He's one of the better ones in the business. You get, you know, uh, Corey Raymond as a secondary coach. He's one of the better ones in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick Tony is, is, is an upper comer at at you know a defensive coordinator position that is of the of the Dave Aranda tree. So um, you know, all that with getting getting Rob Sale to come back out of the NFL as an offensive line coach. He, he's put together a, a really bang up staff, and, and Florida fans should, should be excited about this staff and, and anxious to see how, how, how it turns out. Now, what about uh, Brian Kelly at uh, LSU, of course, former Notre Dame, former Cincinnati coach, comes with a, a very, very strong resume. But what does your model say about Brian Kelly? Brian Kelly is, is one of the premier head coaches in, in the country. He's one of the more seasoned guys um, out there. It was kind of a, a, a home run, you know, uh, a type of type of uh, swing there for LSU and they happened to connect on it. Now he kind of, I, I'm kind of worried a little bit about fit because LSU and Baton Rouge is one of those places where you have to fit. Mm-hmm. And Brian Kelly being one of those guys that has spent his entire career, career in the Rust Belt, I'm not for sure how that, how it's going to work with him down in, at, at LSU. I think X and O's wise, he's a great head coach and he's, he's going to serve it well. But um, he needs to get some guys on staff that are familiar with the SEC. And, and so far with, you know, Cordes Hankins, he, uh, he got the wide receiver coach from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he pulled him in. I think that, that'll help. He did hire Mike Denbrook, who is another Rust Belt guy. Who I'm, I'm not really for sure how that's going to fit. It's just, it's a good staff. I just, I'm not really for sure how it's going to work at LSU. So that's one of those wait and see ones. So safe to say you were not a fan of his family speech. You saw that? No, that was brutal. <laughs> that was brutal. I mean, he's, whoever was his acting coach needs to be fired because he was terrible. <laughs> well, that's a great place uh, to cut you off, Adam. I really, really appreciate you. Give him a follow, Adam McClintock, at CFB underscore professor. And don't forget to check on the Patreon page, patreon.com slash cfb underscore professor and a link to that can be found in the podcast show notes so adam thanks again for for all this time you give me i really appreciate it hey no problem mike no problem i appreciate it 
All right. So just want to say thanks again, Adam, for joining the show. You know, some of his comments from the last episode went pretty viral when the lead up to last season. He's going to come back on when we get closer to uh, next football season to kind of give us some insights into, you know, how his model predicts these teams to finish in the SEC. But I uh, really, really appreciate the information there. And the, the thing I love about him, you know, this is all data driven. This is not an opinion based model. This is raw data how he grades these coaches and coordinators. He does an outstanding job. And like I said, I mean, he gives you a play-by-play -play before the playoff rankings even come out. He's cracked the code on how that thing's gonna break down. So does a tremendous job. Gotta check out his Patreon page. Again, that's patreon.com slash CFB underscore professor. Cannot recommend that enough. But hey, that's gonna do it for this episode of the show. I know there's you know a couple news and notes around the SEC. Didn't get to on this episode. We will get to those on the next episode, but uh, got to cut this one short. But I do appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. We'll catch you on the next one.